Before this week's episode, we just want to talk about all the wonderful ways you can support the South Congress podcast via Patreon. At $1 a month, you get access to our post-show content tier. Patrons at this tier get to hear additional audio from all of our South Congress, Goose Down, and Special Edition pods. At $5 a month, you get to be part of our Watch Party tier. Whenever we do a movie watch-along or a Goosebumps watch-along, you'll be given access to the video. And at $10 a month, you'll get to be part of our merch giveaway tier, where every month we'll give any patron at that tier something from one of our online stores, whether it be TeePublic, Redbubble, or Teespring, to show our appreciation for their support. Thank you guys for supporting the show. The South Congress Podcast is a lifestyle show that sometimes crosses over into mature territory. The views expressed are those of the hosts and guests who come from different backgrounds and experiences. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Cameron Hawkins, and I want to welcome everybody back to The Goose Down, a podcast on the South Congress Podcast Network, where I review each and every one of the books in R.L. Stein's classic Goosebumps series. Um, just some programming information before we get too deep into this. Um, kind of everywhere this week, if you follow professional wrestling and you listen to wrestling podcasts, you can hear me co-host the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show, part of the Pro Wrestling uh, Torch Umbrella. You can find that on pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search Wade Keller. And I was his guest on Monday night talking about the Raw Reunion Show. Um, Coming up this week, we have uh, a lot of stuff going on. Um, Of course, you're going to get... um, the show that you're listening to now. You'll get this week's Goose Down along with next week's, but kind of in order. Um, so Monday, you'll have the South Congress podcast. Wednesday, you're going to have the next Goose Down podcast, but Thursday is when you get something brand new. Um, a show that I produced called I Just Want to Tell Stories, hosted by a uh, former guest, regular contributor, uh, Joe Anderson Jr. from the Mahogany Project. So, um, yeah, if there was ever a time to update your podcast feed uh, for all the shows on the South Congress Network, this would definitely be the week. So um, let's start it off with kind of a big deal. There are a few books in the Goosebumps series that go on to have multiple stories that go on to be memorable that kind of breed an entire lore around them and this is one of them um we've already done monster blood we've already done uh, night of the living dummy but now it's time to talk about um you know if not the biggest one of the biggest continuing stories and that is the haunted mask um i think if you 
watch Goosebumps, uh, the show, or if you've seen uh, the movie, you know that The Haunted Mask is probably the best-known TV version, um, and I think it's one of the best translations from book to TV, and um, it's one of the most enduring ones. When you think of Goosebumps, you think of Slappy, you think of Monster Blood, you think of The Haunted Mask. Um you know, this story was a real departure from The Ghost Next Door last week, which I thought was like a really sad story. Um, you know, this did have some real horror elements to it, but um, kind of the way it was paced, I don't think you got the same amount of fear or dread uh, that you had kind of traveling through The Ghost Next Door. Um, you know, as we go through this, I want to make sure I give credit where credit's due. I owe a lot of how I'm able to do these recaps to the uh, Goosebumps Wikia on fandom. And so you can find that at goosebumps.fandom.com slash wiki. And it'll take you through kind of a synopsis of each and every book, um, some of the key themes. So that's really kind of my home base when it comes to covering this stuff, along with the notes that I take as I read the book. So um, let's start with the blurb, Face to Face with a Nightmare. How ugly is Carly Best's Halloween mask? It's so ugly that it almost scared her little brother to death. So terrifying that even her friends are totally freaked out by it. It's the best Halloween mask ever. It's everything Carly Beth hoped it would be. And more. Maybe too much more. Because Halloween is almost over. And Carly Beth is still wearing that special mask. And, you know, and it's got some of the very best cover art. I think um, Haunted Mask 2 has the really cool one of, like, the old man with the face with the spiders on it at the doorstep. But this one is kind of little Carly Beth, um, you know, in her shirt and overalls holding up, like, this drooling uh, green, like, really sculpted, detailed orange-eyed mask. It looks really good. And it says, like, it looks could kill in the little small blurb there. But um, yeah, let's just kind of set the scene. So Carly Beth Caldwell, um, probably her biggest quality is that she's very easily scared. Um, she's described as a kind of, you know, shorter, chubby girl to the point where even though she's, you know, 11, 12, she looks 9 or 10. And it's in contrast with her friend Sabrina, who has like a very, um, you know, kind of slim, striking look to where people think she might be 13, 14. Um, and that never really causes any type of issue between them, like their physical differences. They are genuinely the best of friends to the point where like Sabrina tries to help her as much as she can through life and through the big problem of the story. Um, but yeah, Carly Beth, everything scares her. Um very easily frightened by her little brother, very easily frightened by just things in her surroundings. But most of all, she's frightened by Chuck and Steve. Um, Chuck and Steve are kind of the two that fill out this quartet of best friends. They're always picking on Carly Beth, though. Um, you know, never to the point where Carly Beth decides she's not their friend or anything like that. But they're always trying to get one over on her because they know how easily she's scared. And, you know, Steve and Chuck, um, specifically Steve, play a really big role in The Haunted Mask 2, where Steve kind of becomes the victim, as it were. But just like a few ideas of things that they've done in order to scare her, Um, like they drop like rubber bugs around her. 
there's a scene in school where they actually have Carly Beth eat a sandwich with a live worm and you get to kind of go through her experience thinking oh what is this in the sandwich then oh it's fake then oh it's real and just her just making you know a complete fool of herself in front of like the entire lunchroom and to the point where she internalizes it as everybody's always looking at me making fun of me because they know how easily I'm scared all right so Carly Best's mom, I think, is described as really interesting. Um, she's a taller woman, kind of a heavyset woman, and and not described as, like, super overweight, but I think it's more of just a larger-than-life person because her mom is always talking. She's always on the go. She's always working on, like, that next project. Um, so her current project, she goes to an art class and she makes her mo- or she makes Carly Beth um, a full to scale size bust of her head from plaster of Paris. Um, and, you know, it looks just like her, except the eyes, of course, don't blink. But, yeah, it's a, a perfect likeness of Carly, Be- Carly Beth is what it's supposed to be. And if you watch the TV version of this, like it does really look like her, but it's almost cartoonish. Um, because, you know, you have to make the real thing. And it's almost like kind of a, a really shiny plaster version of her head. But, yeah, her mom makes this thing for her. And her mom's always into, like, making projects for her. To the point where it's Halloween and Carly Beth is dedicated to getting one over on everybody who considers her a scaredy cat. In particular, Chuck and Steve. Like, they are very much her targets in this story. So... As she's going to figure out what she's going to be for Halloween, she realizes there's a new costume shop in town and she's going to go there and try to find something to wear. It's at this point that her mom says, hey, remember that duck costume that you were really excited about in the mall months ago? I made you one (laughs) to the point where Carly Beth says, um... Like, why do you have to be so, and she says it to herself, but why does my mom have to be so in tune with all the things that I say? This is like, this is great parenting, paying attention. Um, but yeah, she makes her like a really cute duck costume. Um, her little brother Noah comes to the room. Um, cause as she sees the duck costume, Noah's actually wearing it and starts to move and it freaks Carly Beth out. Um, so <laughs> she ends up sending him away. And this is where, um, she starts to devise this idea of scaring uh, Chuck and Steve. So um, they talk about how Steve continued to play a prank on her and that she's never going to fall for one of their stunts again. So she's going to go get this scary mask and freak everybody out. So Halloween falls on uh I guess a midnight or not a midnight on a, on a weekend because I think the science fair has to be on a Friday from the way that they tell this story. So they're at the science fair and Carly Beth and Sabrina do their project together and they decide to make a solar system out of ping pong balls. And they describe how there are all these like really cool experiments like your volcanoes and there's a robot arm and there's some nerdy kid who built a computer from scratch, but they're still pretty confident in what they built. So, One of the balls actually has a dent in it. And as Carly Beth's trying to adjust, um, the 
the dent. She's trying to like knock the dent out of one of the planets in their solar system. Steve tells everybody that his tarantulas escaped. And of course, if you're somebody who's afraid of everything, you're definitely afraid of spiders. So people start to look around for the spider. Steve sneaks up behind Carly Beth and he pinches her leg and she goes nuts and everybody looks at it and she runs off in tears. And like, you know, she's just super embarrassed. So on Halloween, she takes her life savings as she describes it. It's $30. And she goes to this brand new uh, Halloween shop or brand new uh, costume shop. She realizes that it closed early um, and she's like so upset and she does that little kid thing where she kind of peers through the window and she notices that the shopkeeper's there. So he sees her and starts to talk to her. He's like, um, yeah, we closed up early. And she was like, well, it's Halloween. Like, you know, anything you can do for me? He's like, yeah. And she notices like this weirdo is wearing like a buttoned up shirt, dress pants and a cape. So already freaked out. But she's like, maybe it's Halloween. Maybe that's why he's dressed like that. So. She looks around and she sees like some pretty cool masks. There's like, um, you know, bleeding face mask and scary gorilla mask and, you know, kind of standard stuff. But scary. But with all she's been through, she thinks this is her one shot to really get back at her friends. So she looks around, looks around, looks around. And she kind of stumbles her way to a back room. And... She opens it up and I'll just really read. Um, I'll read the exact passage from her finding these new masks. Two dozen empty eye sockets stared blindly at Carly Beth. She gaped in horror at the distorted, deformed faces. There were masks, she realized, two shelves of masks. But the masks were so ugly, so grotesque, so real, they made her breath catch in her throat. Carly, Carly Beth gripped at the doorframe, reluctant to enter the tiny back room. Staring into the dim orange light, she studied the hideous masks. One mask had long, stringy yellow hair falling over its bulging green forehead. Which I think is an allusion to the mask in The Haunted Mask 2. But I'll continue. A hairy black rat's head poked up from a knot in the hair. The rat's eyes gleamed like two dark jewels. The mask beside it had a large nail stuck through an eye hole. Thick, wet-looking blood poured from the eye, down the cheek. Chunks of rotting skin appeared to be falling off another mask, revealing gray bone underneath. An enormous black insect, some kind of grotesque beetle, poked out from between the green and yellow decayed teeth. Carly Beth's horror mixed with excitement. She took a step into the room. The wooden floorboards creaked noisily beneath her. She took another step closer to the grotesque, grinning masks. They seemed so real, so horribly real. The faces had such detail. The skin appeared to be made of flesh not rubber or plastic. These are perfect, she thought, her heart pounding. These are just what I was looking for. They look terrifying just propped up on these shelves. 
She imagined Chuck and Steve seeing one of these masks coming at them in the dark of night. She pictured herself uttering a blood-curdling scream and leaping out from behind a tree in one of them. She imagined the horrified expressions on the boys' faces. She pictured Steve and Chuck shrieking in horror and running for their lives. Perfect. Perfect. What a laugh that would be. What a victory. Carly Beth took a deep breath. Nah, Carly Beth took a deep breath and stepped up to the shelves. Her eyes settled on an ugly mask on the lower shelf. It had a bulging, bald head. Its skin was a putrid yellow-green. Its enormous, sunken eyes were an eerie orange and seemed to glow. It had a broad, flat nose, smashed in like a skeleton's nose. The dark-lipped mouth gaped wide, revealing jagged animal fangs. Staring hard at the hideous mask, Carly Beth reached out a hand toward it. Reluctantly, she touched the broad forehead. As she touched it, the mask cried out. So you kind of start to get that, you know, there might be more going on than it just being a mask. Um, So probably what's, you know, more important or just as important as what happens then is her interaction with the shopkeeper. He sees that she sneaked into this room and he's like, yo, I'm not selling you this mask. She's like super hype about it. Um, he's like, no, like I can't sell it to you. And she's like, come on, like I have $30, like I need this. And eventually he's like, man, I, okay, I guess it was like that guy who, it's like that drug dealer who will sell drugs to everybody. And then, you know, there's a lady he likes down the hall that used to babysit him that he just won't sell the drugs to. Um, but eventually he realizes that things are going to be what they're going to be. Um, yeah, this is the, the terrible evil version of that. And we're kind of explain why later, like his motivations are really strange. Like his motivations are off, but you also see why he might side with a mask over a child. It's, it's actually pretty layered. Um, so yeah, she goes home, she puts a mask on and she freaks her little brother out. Like he's out of there at first. It won't come off. And then eventually she gets the mask to come off um, after some struggle. One thing that happens, though, when she scares him, her voice changes to like a low growl. And he's like, "Yo, how did you make your voice do that? And she was like, I have no idea, but I like it. So like, this is where you start to get that thing in like your vampire movies or a movie like Christine, a Stephen King movie about the car. Um, or even just some coming of age stories with um, kids going from adolescence to to adulthood. There's this confidence that starts to come from having people's fear, from having people's respect, from people not picking on you. And you watch Carly Beth like over the course of a night really kind of descend into having the joy of no longer being the butt of the joke of no longer having to be the frightened. Um, so it's pretty heavy. Like the, the metamorphosis that you see her go through. Um, so she has the mask and she's headed out the house. 
and she ends up putting it back on. And at this point, she notices, like it's kind of clinging to her face. It feels really hot underneath it, um, but also gives her like kind of an aggressive, lively feeling. As she's leaving, she gets the bright idea. She sees the bust of her head that her mother made her. And she grabs a broomstick and puts the head on the broomstick because her thing is like, oh, like this is the head of Carly Beth and I'm the monster that took it. Um, so, so yeah, she more than she even knows, she's playing into the scenario that's really happening. So dips out the house, goes looking for Chuck and Steve, ready to show them boys what's up. Um, she runs into her friend Sabrina, and Sabrina's costume is Catwoman, and she discusses how like she had a whole issue with the the spandex having a run in it. But um, she kind of gets up with Sabrina, scares her, uh, but Sabrina Sabrina's hyped for. Her. Like, she thought she was going to be something different, but she's like, yo, you're going to get one on Chuck and Steve. Because, I mean, that's her best friend. She doesn't want to see her lose all the time. Carly Beth runs in some some kids on the street that she didn't know, um, ends up scaring them in front of their parents, and they run off frightened. Um, Her and Sabrina actually go to this one couple's house who, uh, it's like a really elderly couple, not a lot elderly couple who um, invite them into the house and on their way out they give them apples Carly Beth freaks out throws the apple back at the house and they run off so that's a lot so you know as she becomes more aggressive as she gets more frightening she finally runs into Chuck and Steve when she finds them she scares them to death. Like they are done. Um, they notice the Carly Beth head. They start to gather themselves and, you know, her voice is different. Her language is different. The way she's treating them is different. They see the Carly Beth head and they're like, Carly Beth, that's you, right? Like they're trying to be reassured. Like Carly Beth, come on, this is you. As this is happening, the head on the stick reaches out to Steve and Chuck to help her so it's like what is going on steve and chuck run off dead frightened um and carly bleth carly beth actually tosses the head away um like onto a yard and is running around terrorizing everybody like so happy that she finally got one over on steve and chuck so even though she's enjoying this she still has some agency about her, still has her facilities. So she's back at Sabrina's house and they're trying to take the mask off. Like they've gotten all the candy they can get to the point where Carly Beth ran down a kid on the street, made him give her his bag of candy, poured her whole bag of candy into her bag and ran off. Like she's a full on criminal at this point. But, um, you know, Halloween's almost over. Time to take off the mask. Pulls at the mask. Can't get it off. Tugs at the mask. Can't get it off. So she's like, Sabrina, take the mask off. And Sabrina pulls at it and cannot get it off. So one thing that happens in the TV version of The Haunted Mask, too. I remember the line. There's no line. There's no line. A kid's trying to help Steve get his uh, mask off. And the kid said there's no like clear distinction between the mask and your skin. 
to the room. He's like, mister, this is your skin. So Carly Beth is out of there. Nothing she can do. Um, it's interesting that Sabrina, her friend, is the one that saw it because Sabrina's like trying to figure out a way she can help her. Carly Beth runs off, um, you know, and she looks back in the mirror. It's not her eyes anymore that she sees through the mirror. Um, it's those orange eyes from the mask. Like she does not know what's happening. So she runs out of the house, tries to gather herself, tries to make sense of what's going on. She's like, okay, I'll just go back to the shop. The shop guy will know what to do. Um, so she goes there and the owner's actually there waiting for her. And he's like, yeah, I knew you would come back. And she's like, mister, I don't know what's going on, but we got to get this mask off. And and here's where we get back to like this idea of evil science that we've had in uh Welcome to Dead House that we've had in Say Cheese and Die. Um, you know, just something that's existed in a few of these books. And I'll just read how he explains what she's dealing with as far as the masks go. So as she goes back into the shop and she goes back to that same room, all the masks are looking at her. Like <laughs> they're all seem to be alive. They're all staring at her. Um, and this is what he says. The store owner walked over to the display shelf and gestured to the ugly staring heads. The unloved, he said, sadly, his voice lowered to a whisper. I don't understand. Carly Beth managed to choke out. These are not masks. They are faces, he explained. Real faces. I made them. I created them in my lab. Real faces. But, but they're so ugly, Carly Beth started. Why? They weren't ugly in the beginning, he interrupted, his voice bitter, his eyes angry. They were beautiful. They were alive. But something went wrong. When they were taken out of the lab, they changed. My experiments... My poor heads were a failure, but I had to keep them alive. I had to. I don't believe it, Carly Beth exclaimed breathlessly, raising her hands to the sides of her face, her green, distorted face. I don't believe any of it. I am telling the truth, the store owner continued, running a finger over one side of his narrow mustache, his eyes burning into Carly Beth's. I keep them here. I call them the unloved because no one will ever want to see them. Occasionally, someone wanders into the back room, you for example, and one of my faces finds a new home. So, whoa, like, <laughs> basically, you know, these are experiments that he made that in a controlled environment were beautiful. Um, and I mean, you can kind of allude to something like a Frankenstein's monster where once this creation has to interact with a living, breathing world when something that didn't come from natural means has to interact with, you know, uh, nature or society or, you know, the, the, the psychology of things that already exist, things that have been bred and evolved and had to adapt for generations to a world 
it makes sense how that can become twisted and perverted, especially in a short period of time. Um, so, yeah, apparently this has happened where somebody's wandered in um, and taken a mask and has always had that mask attached to them for the rest of their lives. Um, and it's just the most horrifying thing you can think of. Um, and you understand, too, why he would keep them alive. The same way in Say Cheese and Die, where, you know, that evil scientist couldn't destroy the camera, but always felt like he had to protect it. This is the way where that shopkeeper gets to keep his creations alive, but to the best of his ability, not actually have them, you know, do evil in the world. And I say to the best of his ability, he seems to kind of go back on that, you know, once this happens. And so he tells her, like, yo, it can't come off. And she says, there has to be a way. So he says, okay, the only way to remove the mask is to find a symbol of love. But. If the mask goes on somebody for a third time, that's it. That's forever. There's nothing you can do. Um, so she sees the mask. She starts to cry. She does not know what to do. Um, as she screams, the masks start to stir. They wake up and then... They start to chase her down the street out of the shop. Um, And it looks like as opposed to going to find new victims, they're going to terrify her. Maybe it's so that she can't explain what's happened. Uh, Maybe they can feed off of one of the masks already being attached to somebody. But, you know, whatever the reason, they're chasing her. Um, She finally locates the head that her mom made her. And again, symbol of love. Her mom made it for her because of how much she loved her. Um, And eventually, she takes the head that her mom made her, puts it over the mask. Um, Now, this thing does not have eye holes, so she can't see what's going on. When she takes it off, she notices that all the floating masks are gone and that she can finally remove the haunted mask. Um, So, yeah. All is well that ends well, right? Um, You know, she beat the case. She, I mean, her biggest crime, um, you know, other than kind of stealing a thing, is not wanting to be a victim anymore. And she almost became a permanent victim. So she goes home. Her mom notices she's not in costume. She's like, Carly Beth, like, it's late. Like, where have you been? And she starts to kind of explain to her what happened. And then... As they're sitting in the room, they look in the doorway and her little brother has put on the haunted mask. Uh, So that's where it ends. Um, Just horrifying, right? Um, But there's a haunted mask, too. And it's not about her little brother. So by hook or by crook, um, they they found a way to to save Noah from all this. But, yeah, um, you know. Visually, especially since this is one of the prominent um, TV episodes, like it's horrifying to have a mask permanently stuck to you um, for it to make you undergo that much of a personality change um, for you to be told that, you know, these kind of creatures exist, um, you know, for these to be living, breathing things and aren't inherently evil, but have been, you know, twisted and changed and warped by their experience in our world. Like it, it's a lot to deal with. Um, 
a really fun read. Um, again, not tonally the same as last week's where, you know, you're, you have to feel bad for kids that burned in a house fire. I mean, this was relatively tame compared to that in what could happen to the individual. Like, it's horrifying to be stuck in a mask, but at least you didn't, you know, kill your whole family and have to serve as a guardian angel to a kid next door and then get sent back to the afterlife. I guess that's a little bit better, but, um, you know, this ended up being kind of a long-running thing. I think The Haunted Mask 2 is a really good read. Um, The Mask with kind of a different appeal, and even on top of that, um, you get more insight into the actual shopkeeper, the whole evil scientist vibe. So, yeah, um... We know some cool things. There's a 1995 reprint of the book that actually had um, a cardboard cutout mask uh, that you could have. And actually, like as you go to the next series, um, there's going to be um, the scream of the haunted mask. And they kind of have even more lore. Again, this one, Monster Blood, Night of the Living Dummy are the books that really kind of stood the test of time as far as getting a whole bunch of spinoffs. Um, probably the biggest difference I saw Carly Beth in the book episode is really, I'm sorry. Yeah. In the TV episode, um, kind of has a normal kid build, normal kid face, normal kid haircut. So is it made to kind of stand out from, from how the other kids look? Um, so visually it's just a difference and the story kind of take place, takes place over one night as opposed to it being, you know, a week, of experiencing what she goes through in school. So it's it's a little less Christine and Carrie um, and more just about, I don't know, Mary Lou prom night too. That's a, a reference for you. So um, that's it for The Haunted Mask. Next week, we'll be back with Be Careful What You Wish For. Um, one of my favorite tropes as far as you know, stories like Monkey Paw and Wishmaster, where you wish for things and they all kind of tend to go awry. Um, this has been another episode of The Goose Down, uh, the South Congress podcast series, where I review each and every one of the Goosebumps stories in R.L. Stein's classic series. My name is Cameron Hawkins. Thank you for joining me. South Congress and the Pro Wrestling Torch East Coast cast have two online stores to buy shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, notebooks, and more. Visit redbubble.com and tpublic.com and search Seahawk to see all of the merchandise. We run specials every few weeks, so join the South Congress and East Coast Cast Facebook fan pages for all the details on our online specials and promotions. 